Hi, I'm Madhvi Romani. And I'm Rena Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week, we'll be discussing a new topic or trend, so you can stay informed the easy way. Serena, what are we talking about this week? Our guest today is Tamara Rose Morales, who is a coach and the founder of Berlin Boss Babes, a high-potential leadership coach for women. Tamara created Berlin Boss Babes as a platform to accelerate the professional and financial advancement of women. As a coach, she empowers women's personal development across career, business, and money. My three favorite topics. Hi, <laughs> Rina. Good to be here. I'm very excited. I'm so <laughs> excited to have you. We're going to be talking about setting goals. So why is it important to set goals and how does one even set goals? Yeah. So I think, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I think it's really cool that we are talking about this topic, even though it's already, you know, it's not right at the beginning of the new year. And I think very often when it comes to starting the new year, um, a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves that by January 1st, mm-hmm. you got to enter the month with, you know, your, your vision board and your goals written down on a piece of paper. And I think it's very important to constantly remind yourself you can set goals, new goals, anytime you want and you need, you can like throw away your old goals and set new goals when you realize that the old ones don't serve you anymore. And regarding your question, which I think was why goals are important. Yes. I would say complex topic because I think there's many different reasons why goals can be important and helpful. Mm -hmm. Like I think from my perspective, both my personal experience as well as when I work with my coaching clients, I think first of all, goals are very helpful because in a way when we go about life and our work, no matter if we're in a job or we are managing our business, very often it's it's easy to get like, you know, get swept away by everything that's happening around us. And I think especially nowadays when we live in an information age and we are constantly bombarded with news and, you know, also misinformed by news, which I think, you know, really cool that your podcast is also about that. It's hard to get like, you know, sidetracked. So I think having goals helps you have a certain, a certain compass mm-hmm. that allows you to come back to the question, okay, but what do I actually want to do? So the reminder that there's something, something driving you at the same time, I believe working towards a goal is helpful because otherwise, again, because, you know, we just go about things and we maybe don't look at the milestones that we have achieved. I think a goal is also really helpful to then look back and say, okay, cool. I set a goal. I achieved it. I consciously take in this moment and I look back at my journey Mm -hmm. and I look back at my learnings and I pat myself on the shoulder and I say amazing uh, you know you did well and it allows you to feel the sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. and I think it's particularly important when you do something that's not always fun and enjoyable So I think when you have a hobby or a passion like producing theater, let's say someone is very passionate about theater and and, and playing, uh, being on the stage, maybe because it's a hobby, you don't need goals there. But I think as soon as it comes to topics that can be tricky, such Mm -hmm. as career, business and money, but not only it could be health, it could be, you know, exercise, it could be relationships. It's just easier to have something to work towards so that, you know, you can also use this to to pick yourself up when things are maybe not going that easily and say, hey, this is the reason why I'm actually working on that because I have that goal. Mm-hmm. So I think when it comes to setting goal, it's also very, it's, very, it's crucial that you also know your why mm-hmm. because I think that's oh, also yeah. going to be the motivator, especially when, you know, it gets tough to come closer to your goal and you might feel tempted to, just, you know, give up or, you know, fall into uh, procrastination mode or let yourself <laughs> be distracted, which honestly, it happens to me as well. I'm, you know, no, no exception to the rule. So reminding yourself of the why, I think that is something that really changed my approach mm-hmm. to goal setting and working towards goal. Again, both when I deal with my own goals, but also when I help my clients reach their goals. Mm -hmm. Because very often the why behind the goal is something different and it can be much more powerful and effective if you clarify what the actual why is 
and then you create a goal out of that rather than, you know, sticking to the old goal that was almost just like a band-aid to cover it up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a bit like what what comes up for me when we Mm. talk about this. You mentioned something about learnings and in terms of setting goals at the end of the year, do you look back at your goals and say, okay, this is what I have accomplished. This is what I haven't accomplished. And how do you integrate those learnings? I believe that having a regular reflection practice mm-hmm. is super valuable. And of course, it could be the end of, an, of, you know, like, for example, for the people who sat down at the end of 2022, great. But again, it could be a reflection practice at the end of each day, at the end of each week, at the end of the month. A lot of people use the, the moon cycle to reflect on, on, on their growth. So I believe that... In a way, we consciously need to make space and plan for these things because otherwise we also forget. Mm-hmm. We maybe don't see the learnings. We maybe then also don't make space you know, to, to celebrate ourselves for yeah. the amazing accomplishments no matter how, how big or small they are. When it comes to myself, I think right now I'm a bit you know, riding a wave. And this is something that I've been doing over the last few years. I've been very intuitive with my goals and my goals have been more around how do I want to feel? What kind of lifestyle do I want to manifest? And, you know, what what values are guiding that? Mm. So I don't necessarily have goals such as, okay, I want to coach this many clients and organize this many events and work with this many companies. It's more about, okay, I want to be living, you know, a very fulfilled life and career and it could manifest in, in different ways. So what I do actually, and I only did this in January because in December I was like too tired and exhausted after the year to even, you know, I just wanted to do Netflix and chill. I didn't want to like yeah. do any conscious reflection yeah. practice because I think, you know, this is also work. Yeah. And, you know, you need to be in the right mindset and you need to put energy into it. But when I sat down at the beginning of January, I did ask myself, okay, To which extent did I actually live the life and the values and the lifestyle that I, that I set out to Mm -hmm. live? And this is again something where I can just very intuitively say, and I did actually say yes to the most of it. I really did. And you know, in some areas, I exceeded my own expectations. Some values maybe were not always completely lived. So that's then something that I'm, you know, focusing on this year. But yeah, I also think it really helps to, either write down the goals you have accomplished or even maybe they were not goals but still accomplishments Mm -hmm. you still write them down or you have like um you know a sit down with another person and you tell each other about these things so I think really making space for either saying them out loud or writing them down can be incredibly empowering and for example for myself and because of my business I'm a very active content creator it also really helps me to then post this mm-hmm. because that you know I'm in a way putting this out there in a way like almost you know putting it in cement because you know I know I could still delete it later but it almost feels like you know put it just putting it out there and at the same time I know that when I share these things there's you know like some kind of ripple effect that you know someone else will get either inspired or motivated or maybe you know I also talk about hardship and difficulties and people mm-hmm. will then maybe you know feel less alone or Absolutely, or yeah. heard in their um in their difficulties so yeah I'm a big fan of of having a reflection practice that would mean really you know also looking back reviewing and drawing conclusions from it mm-hmm. it's great to say yes or no I didn't reach my goal but I think it's even more powerful even if you would look at your goals and say, okay, out of the three big goals that I set for myself, I didn't reach any goal. There's nothing bad about that at all. Even though I guess most of us would be like, oh no, I didn't reach my goal. Like I'm a loser. But I think the most powerful thing about it is what did you actually learn? And maybe the lesson also is that, you know, for example, the goals were too lofty. Mm-hmm. They were too big. It was unrealistic to expect yourself to reach them. Or maybe the goals were not that relevant anymore. Maybe you changed. So, of course, it would mean that your goals change as well. So, what is actually the takeaway rather than are you checking the reached goal box, yes or no? One of the reasons that we didn't want to do this episode sort of directly in the new year was because you briefly touched upon this of like in the new year, you're like, 
oh, you've just had New Year's Eve and the holidays and the end of the year where everything just kind of like December feels like it snowballs, like mm-hmm. you're trying to wrap everything up. And then you get to January and you're just exhausted and overwhelmed and then you have to get rolling right away. And January always feels like it lasts a year. Like it feels yeah. like the longest month ever. Yeah. And you're still in this like mindset of like, I have to go, go, go. And it's like, okay, maybe it's time to just like recover from yeah the ridiculousness that was the past month and the past holiday <laughs> season take a breath yeah. and now with a clear mind and a clear mindset yeah. like okay and now let's go let's inhale and take a moment yeah agree 100 and you know i also belong to the people who feel stressed out about this because there's a part of me or there was a part of me telling me in December, oh, I should sit down and do this and Mm -hmm. I should, you know, make my New Year's pledges. And then, you know, I was just pressuring myself more and more. And in the end, you know, I I made a conscious decision uh, against it, but I still fell into that, you know, that um, that societal pressure around the topic. I had a very interesting conversation with a client about this. We talked about how January is a bit like Monday, you know. And, you know, Monday is usually not the best day of the week. It could be, but usually it's not. And I believe a lot of people have the observation that the way that we work nowadays is the 40-hour work week. I mean, now, you know, companies are more open to, to, to having people work remotely. But I feel like we are still very much sticking to the work standards that were, I guess, established during the Industrial Revolution when, mm-hmm. you know, men were going to factories and they had a caring wife taking care of everything at home. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that I also find this notion of a fresh beginning in January, I find it almost unnatural because if you look at the seasons Mm -hmm. winter is the time of hibernation and really just slowing down and resting and retreating and then as spring comes around we go out into the world and we become more active and in a way I was telling to my client that in a way I believe you know if we were to really set these goals it would make much more sense to do it for spring Mm -hmm. because that's also when we are you know on a a bodily level we are feeling much more ready to be active and and, and do Mm -hmm. things so yeah I think there's a lot of societal and cultural conditioning uh, around this and you know I love talking about setting goals and why why they're important but at the same time you need to decide when is the right time to set goals One of the questions that we had prepared was, so New Year's resolutions often fails. You can tell at the gym in January, it's like really packed with people for the first couple of weeks and then it tapers off. And by February, a lot of those people are no longer meeting their goals of going to the gym three times a week. So I guess our question was going to be like, why do you think that New Year's resolution failed? But I guess you kind of have answered it. Yeah, definitely. So I think part of it, I did touch upon when explaining that in a way, it's almost like an artificial thing that very often we feel is put on us like it's almost not our goal but someone else's goal yes another reason and i actually find the gym example super helpful because i think it's an example that we can all relate to no matter (laughs) our background it could be gym it could be doing yoga it could be running whatever you know exercise and because last year was like a very big year for me and berlin boss babes and my business i worked with a lot of private coaching clients and i really Mm -hmm. looked at what do people that actually achieve their goals or get to where they want to be, what do they do differently? Mm-hmm. I was thinking about sharing this actually also today because I feel that even though, of course, it is very important to have a clear goal and know what you want to reach and where you want to go, because it's almost like you're going to the airport and you need to decide which airplane are you boarding? You know, Are you going to New York? Are you going to Madrid? You need to know what the direction is. But then when the goal is set, the process of working towards the goal becomes actually more important. Mm-hmm. And I've been actually exploring a lot about Atomic Habits, a book written by a guy called James Clear. Okay. I think he's a former professional basketball player. Oh, okay. And I think, you know, athletes are good examples of creating systems to reach their goal, right? And it's not like someone just says, oh, I want to be in the Olympics in three years and that is going to make it happen. But it's actually the system that they then implement between today and the Olympics in three years Mm -hmm. that are going to get them there. He talks about different rules or laws who 
you know, define if someone's goal might be successful or not. And I found them very enlightening. So for me, I keep thinking about them every day. And I think with the gym example, maybe I can, you know, just, just share yes, them. Please. And I think also the book might be worth a read. So he talks about how when you want to create a habit that's like, you know, positive, it's helpful to you, make it obvious. So if you want to create a habit of going to the gym, it would mean, you know, like, uh, how can you make it obvious? Am I putting my trainers by the door or am I already, you know, putting my back out next to my exit or whatever, you know, to remind me that actually, you know, this keeps reminding me that I wanted to go to the gym more. The next step is make it attractive. Okay. So when we create goals, as I said before, sometimes the goal itself might not, like doing the thing might not feel that attractive because, you know, we have to drag ourselves to the gym, we have to go on the treadmill, or maybe like now it's uh, four degrees outside and imagine you would, you know, go running. <laughs> it's not the coziest idea, so how can you make it more attractive mm -hmm. for yourself? So trying out little tricks like, you know, okay, some people buy themselves new runners. Mm -hmm. Someone else says, okay, I'm going to sign up in a really nice gym. I'm going to listen to a podcast while running because it's going to make it nicer for me. Third step is make it easy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to start a habit of going to the gym, is the gym around the corner or do you need to travel all the way to the other side of Berlin to get there? What can you do to not create any excuses why you wouldn't be going there. I don't know, maybe you go to work and you take your gym back with you. The last piece that I think is very powerful when it comes to long-term goals mm -hmm. is make it satisfying. So again, I think when we work towards goals such as getting fit, uh, making more money, being more successful, very often the steps we need to take to get there are not easy and they actually don't feel satisfying. Mm -hmm. So how can we make them satisfying? And this is, I think, where the notion of community comes in mm -hmm. and surrounding yourself with people who, for example, have similar goals and similar difficulties reaching them and really embracing that identity of the person who is going to the gym or the person who is getting a pay increase this year or the person who is, you know, building a successful business or whatever it is that you are aspiring to, but that in a way you you surround yourself or you, you find yourself in an environment where, where this is being mirrored to you mm. all the time so that in a way it's almost impossible to not do it. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It reminds me of, of two things. One, I recently did this in a work environment where my direct colleagues and I and my small team we all did like mini presentations about like our history, like where we come from and our backgrounds and where we want to go with our career. And the idea behind this was, if I know that my colleague wants to go into production design, then I can, if there's any opportunities I see, I can connect her to them. So we realize that like we have, you know, we're working within a corporate structure, yeah. but if we don't know what each other's goals and aspirations yeah. are how can we support each other yeah and we're an all-female team so it was an incredibly wonderful experience especially since like I now see it mirrored in like if there's an opportunity that comes up my colleague will be like you should do this you should talk to this person and it's so yeah. helpful to have that community around you you also said something very interesting about make it easy for yourself yeah which also not just in goals but I think also in like career growth is very important obviously not make it easier on yourself but when I first started out working we were told okay look at the job you want to go to and then figure out how you can get there and I remember reading these job ads and getting so overwhelmed being like I'm never going to be able to do any of these things like I was yeah. so stressed and overwhelmed but actually I really just needed to take a step back and be like okay this job is for someone who has 20 years of experience, you currently have zero. So maybe go a little easy on yourself and think rather than like, I have to be this now. It's like, yeah. what steps can you take to get there? It's yeah. process. Exactly. <laughs> I think you're making some really important points. I you know, of course, when, when you set a goal, it needs to be it needs to be realistic within a certain timeline. Yes. And I would probably say instead of focusing what can be achieved in, in 10 years from now, I would say, you know, it's, it's probably most realistic to focus on the next few months mm -hmm. because that's really, you know, you really have 
control over that and you can really influence it and you know that's then going to influence the months and the years coming after that so definitely agree that you know you need to look at your goal no matter if it's a career goal or a financial goal you know a lot of women in in the Berlin Boss Babes community they want to create financial abundance through investing growing their money you know um, on the stock market which which I support 100% and but it means that maybe you know you look at the next six months and you say okay over the next six months I'm planning to put just 50 euro aside into that account instead of saying yourself oh my god I need to reach the number that's going to make me you know financially free and I don't know this many years and the other point you mentioned I think is also underrated the one where you share your goals with other people yes because it's one thing to set a goal and know your own goal but you're right that when you share your goal with other people they can help you and if you don't tell them then they don't know and they cannot help you so yeah and I don't know I feel like as of course I'm, I'm, I'm using stereotypes here and there's always exceptions to the rule of course but I see that women definitely are a bit more shy when it comes to telling other people about their aspirations mm -hmm. or their goals because there are fears around, okay, but what if they will think it's ridiculous or what if I don't reach it and I will be embarrassed. So I think, you know, we really need to practice sharing this more. So I think it's great if you have a culture, no matter if it's your team or in your in your friend circle where this is encouraged and, and, and people share their goals with each other and help them, help each other reach them. No one can read your thoughts and yeah. you need to use your voice. And I think the same thing goes for careers. Like yeah. You need to use your voice. You coach women. What is kind of an issue or a pattern that you see in a lot of women that really stop them from achieving their own goals? Yeah, I think there's many. I think there's many. I think this is caused by history and mm -hmm. the societal structures and norms and culture that we find ourselves in nowadays. So, you know, I could probably approach this from, from many different angles, but maybe I can just speak about what I've been witnessing most recently with my clients. Of course, yeah. I think actually this goes hand in hand with what we just talked about in terms of sharing your goals with other people. I think when you want to create a meaningful change in your life and as you said, I mainly focus on career, business and money. So let's say you want to be, you want to have a, a better job or you want to start your business or you want to make more money. I feel that something that, for example, I feel men do much better mm -hmm. is that they really partner up and help each other. Women do that too. I think women are really good at creating and cultivating community. And I think Berlin Boss Babes is a wonderful example where And it's not the only community that I can use that as an example. You know, there are many thriving communities such as, you know, if we look locally, International Women Berlin. Yes. It doesn't matter what kind of problem you have. You post about it in the group and people will come to your, almost to your rescue. Yeah. So I think this is where women are really good at. But I feel men are much better at practically helping each other, mm -hmm. making introductions, showing each other things that they have learned, mentioning each other's names. Mm -hmm. in front of people who are, I don't know, influential or maybe, you know, could help that person. And I feel like it all comes back to women, many women struggling with very openly and confidently communicating their, their needs and desires mm -hmm. so that then they can happen because people will know about it and they will support it. And because in a way, you know, they need to get really proactive and put themselves out there to make it happen. So I think women, especially the women I work with, they are really great at, you know, analyzing and planning mm -hmm. and also analyzing what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. But then when it comes to the actual implementation stage, where very often I feel it's a lot about, you know, connecting with people, understanding if, you know, if the concept you have made up for yourself, if it's actually, if it's accurate, where a lot of women shy back and, and, and almost, you know, isolate themselves. And that's something that, where I'm glad that, you know, I'm both a coach, but I also have this wonderful community. So I can always, always like, you know, nudge my clients and say, okay, how can you use an existing community? Let's say you want to negotiate a salary increase this year. It would mean that it's not enough for you to go on Google and search for salaries the most impactful thing you can do is to connect with other people in your industry and in your function mm -hmm. and talk to them and know what they earn. 
But mm-hmm. that can only happen if you proactively reach out to them and ask them a question that can be very uncomfortable mm-hmm. because most people don't like to talk about these things. So it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think taking action, like uh, having a bias to action. And yeah, I would say that, you know, like if we really talk about this more in a stereotypical way, I would say if, you know, a woman can prepare further and plan further and analyze further and take action. I very often see her doing the, the first thing because something about action is, is more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, yeah. okay, how can I apply this? Do I do this? <laughs> how can I? Like, yeah. Like, oh. And you know, don't get me wrong. I don't want to like say that all women are this way. Right. I just see that. And even today, how many girls are being brought up. It's just something about the early communication to a girl, which is about be careful, don't be too loud, don't take that much attention. And of course, there are many families where this looks differently. But, you know, I talk to so many women on a daily basis and I just see that unfortunately the stereotype still gets confirmed a lot. So I feel like we just need to have even more awareness of that and, you know, put in the extra work to to overcome that. Yeah. Yesterday at work, we had a communications consultant come in to talk to us. I guess she's technically more of a coach. She was really great. And one of the things that she told us was for 20 years, she used to keep her head down and just think, if I just do my work, somebody will notice me. Like, I'll just sit here and I'm going to, I'm going to succeed. Like, I'm going to be the best at my job and I'm going to get promoted. And eventually she realized, hang on, all these people around me are getting promoted and they're really bad at their jobs. And she was like, ah, I have to open my mouth. I have to be visible. I have to be loud. But no one had taught her how to do that. And now she goes around teaching other women how to be loud and how to be visible (laughs) and shout their like accomplishments out loud, which is great. And my team is almost exclusively women. And so we're obviously all incredibly terrible at this. I mean, they're some of the most talented, amazing women I've ever worked with. And yet we're all quietly sitting there doing our jobs, just being like, Someone will notice how good you are. You know what? This is exactly my observation as well. And again, if I can throw in like a recommendation, another book recommendation. Yes, um, give them all. (laughs) uh, Last year I hosted an event about women in leadership and Mm -hmm. for women in leadership. And when I say leadership, I mean really anyone because it's also important to be a leader for for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Self-leadership, mm-hmm. I think, is also a very important concept. And the book I recommended is called How Women Rise. I don't remember the name of the of the author right now, but you know, if if, if you Google the book, it's really interesting because it speaks about the again stereotypical behavioral patterns. So a lot of women have those, but it doesn't mean that all women act this way. And one of them is almost slaying away and being super good at what you do and maybe even being the best, but nobody sees it because you don't talk about it. And I think this is also in a way a tricky topic because it shows us how wrong the world can be sometimes. I think, of course, in an ideal setup, your team or the women you refer to, they would work in an organization where their, 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 their team lead or their manager or whoever is like, you know, supervising them, they would see that mm-hmm. and would like reward them with, you know, positive feedback and growth opportunities and promotions and pay rises. And, you know, there are some organizations out there who have that culture and you can be the, you know, uh, the wallflower and you will still, you know, get promoted because mm-hmm. other people see you. But I would say, especially, you know, the industries that are now, you know, have been up and rising for a really long time. So, you know, tech industries, a startup culture, and also in many corporate environments, I think you really need to put extra work into making yourself visible mm-hmm. and speaking up about the things you did, what impact they had and what you achieved. Because unfortunately, if you don't do it, but other people do it, and for example, men seem to do this much more then, of course, they get the attention and mm-hmm. all the good things that come with it, and we don't. I know there are critical responses to this which say, why should we women change how we are? Why would a woman who's more of an introvert and really who's having a hard time with promoting herself, why should she change and do that the system should change? Mm-hmm. And I agree. I absolutely agree with that argument. But I also see, well, the system is only minimally changing you know like there are changes happening and if we talk 10 years from now you know there will be probably some but I think 
we cannot really control it. We can only control our 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 own behavior. So I still I still want to encourage women to do that, even though of course I agree with the notion that there is also a problem with the system, and the system needs to change at the same time. I'm in this really massive group chat of like 200 women here oh, in Berlin. Wow! Yeah, it's really it's really great. It's a really lovely sort of self running community where people just ask for advice yeah. and help and stuff. And I notice this pattern a lot of times where some of these women are truly amazing and they will share something that they've done and everyone will start with, sorry to be self-promotional or I'm sorry, I don't mean to be doing this. And it's like, no, this is amazing. Tell us about this. Yeah. It's and it's a space where it's only women and still we yeah. feel the need to be like, I'm so sorry, I don't want to be like showing off or anything. Yeah. And it's like, no girl, you're amazing. Please show off. Yeah, exactly. I Shine. mean wow, wow. In a way, I'm surprised now, you know, I'm 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 I have a surprised reaction, but but actually it makes sense because it's also what I observe. I think mm-hmm. that there's with for many women a fear to be perceived as someone who is, you know, arrogant or showing off. Mm-hmm. I used to have this practice on Berlin Boss Babes. And, you know, once in a while I bring these things back, but um, I used to ask the community, what were your wins this week? Like, what did you achieve? What did you learn? Like anything that you feel is a win, you know, even if you just got out of bed, it doesn't matter. If it feels like a win for you, it's a win. And very often um, I had, you know, women in my DMs saying that they had a really hard time with even thinking about themselves that way because they didn't want to be perceived as someone who's bragging. Yes. So I feel like there's a massive fear around that where I would say, thank God there's communities or group chats like this one where hopefully, you know, the other women in that group chat would reflect back to that person, hey, no need to apologize. You sharing this is so amazing and we want more of that. I think, you know, it needs practice to yes. be to become better at that. But at the same time, you know, like research and science actually shows that as a woman, you have it harder. There's something called the double bind. I don't know if it's a term that's familiar to you. No, it's not. The double bind actually means in the concept of, you know, women at work it means that as a woman when you show up very in a very bold and confident way and you know you you are the expert and you are you know have authority you are being perceived as yes you are very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and we respect your wisdom but you are less likable Mm. people will think more that you're a bitch Mm. and on the other hand when you demonstrate a behavior that's you know uh, associated as more feminine behavior which is very accommodating and sweet and friendly and nourishing like for example a people manager taking care of her team not only making sure that people do their work but that they actually feel good in the team this woman would then be perceived as, you know, everyone loves her, everyone wants to have her around, she's very likable, but she's perceived as less competent. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like, and I also struggle with this, because mm-hmm. I feel like no matter what we do, there is a risk of, you know, getting a bad reaction somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I I em- empathize with, with these women who have a hard time sharing their wins and, and almost apologizing for them. But I think at the same time, the only thing we can do to change it is to to speak about this more Mm -hmm. and share our wins more and be less apologetic about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This reminds me, a friend of mine, he works for a hedge fund and investment bank. Not sure, something in the finance that I don't really (laughs) understand. In New York City. And he told me that something bad happened in the company and their male CEO threw his laptop out of the window. And... I remember being like, when he told me this, I was really shocked. I mean, this is extreme behavior to me. And he goes, ah, no, this sort of stuff like happens all the time. And I was like, this happens all of the time. And yet no one bats an eye. Yeah. And then I remember when The Devil Wears Prada came out, the book, and everybody was like, oh my God, Anna Wintour, she's terrible. She does all these terrible things. Again, not in any way to excuse toxic behavior, but it was like, hang on, why is she getting hated on so much when we have like... 10 years later, 15 years later, these male CEOs throwing laptops yeah. out the window. Yeah. This feels like a double standard here. That's exactly the word that was coming up for me. It's really unfair. And I think one of the big problems is that we are 
perpetuating that. So even I would, you know, dare to say that you and I, as we sit here and talk about these topics and, you know, obviously we're happy to spend the time (laughs) together today, but, you know, based on your work and everything I've already learned about you, I would say you're also one of these women who's very, very self-aware and, you know, very observant and always taking in new information and same for me. And even for us, we also fall into these biases because they're unconscious biases. So Mm -hmm. even we would find ourselves in this office environment. Even we would be more understanding of the, 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 the crazy male CEO who's throwing the laptop than the bitchy female CEO who's, I don't know, like uh, behaving in a, in a winter style. And I think that's also making things even more complex because yeah. we want to change something that we are like suffering from, but at the same time, we are acting in a way unconsciously very often where we are supporting that kind of yes. uh, dynamic. Yeah, um, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But but I, I completely agree. And I, I also see, sorry, I keep talking about my job. Um, <laughs> no, but, that's good. <laughs> but like I do notice it because we had one female leader who was not very well liked in the company. Yeah. And, and just like there was so much negative energy, negative talk around her when I was like, hang on, there are so many men in this company that are just as toxic yeah. and terrible as her and yet no one is like Shh, watch out for this yeah. person she like he's terrible it's always like yeah. no this one person yeah and and I felt I found myself participating in it too because when we had a new joiner they would be like so like can you tell me a little bit about the office and and you find yourself being like oh and if you have to interact with this person be mindful of this and I was like wait hang on why am I perpetuating this like yeah. yes she's terrible <clears throat> but so is that man and I didn't warn her about exactly. that exactly and it's like yeah you just fall into it. Yeah. You really need to catch yourself. You do. You do. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, as you said, it's 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 the best thing we can do is 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 trying to catch ourselves and mm-hmm. then you know get better or do better. But I think it's also only normal that, of course, we are perpetuating a system that we've been part of forever. Yeah. It would be almost unnatural if we would act completely, you know, on the opposite side of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also important to, 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 to have understanding for ourselves and, you know, to lovingly challenge our own observations and behaviors, but uh, without, you know, like beating ourselves up that, oh my God, we, we judged someone or we were not, you know, f- we were not feminist enough because I think that's absolutely okay. And yeah, perfectly. I'm curious to hear a little bit more about your story. So you have this amazing, amazing would you describe it as a community, Berlin Boss Babes? It's also like um, your business. Yeah, I think today when, because, you know, <laughs> when I created Berlin Boss Babes in July 2020, there was no intention of this becoming a business. Mm-hmm. It was really about me being being in a place in my life where I wanted an environment of women mm-hmm. where I could feel, you know, inspired and supported, but also give the same back. And then it became much more and it became a business. But I would say today, I feel it's, I would probably call it like a social impact consulting business because I do coaching, I do consulting, I do a lot where I, you know, advise and support people and organizations on creating change towards female advancement. But there is a big community connected to it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's probably a mix. It's, it's, it's both a business and a community. So, um, Sometimes also a bit tricky to even even talk about it. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, 2020, that's very, very recent. I yeah. mean, that's completely unbelievable. Uh, in, in like the, no, in like the, a really positive way. Like yeah. you've grown such an amazing community and set up such an amazing business in such yeah. a short amount of time. Yeah. Like I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. That's unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I'm also very proud of myself. And you know, this is like... The moment where, you know, I'm practicing saying this, even though there's a part of me thinking, oh my God, people will think I'm arrogant, right? This is what we, what we talked about. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I have to say that I regularly find myself in situations like this conversation or moments when, you know, I'm alone and it's peaceful and I'm reflecting and I'm also blown away by what happened over the last few years. I think ultimately Berlin Boss Babes, was created at a time and in a space where it was really needed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been um, in 2020, I was, or actually it already started in 2019 that I got very active in different communities on Facebook. And I saw this, I saw and I experienced the sisterhood. Um, but I felt like very often it was about, you know, dating and finding an apartment and, you know, building a new life in a place like Berlin. And very often I would ask myself, but 
in order to even be confident when dating, you need to have a foundation like a job that's keeping you safe and allows you to pay your bills and fulfills you so that you don't only seek fulfillment in a, in a relationship. So yeah, I think, I guess I just followed what I needed. I created a community that I was craving and it kind of um, exploded. And yeah, today it's, I looked the other day on Facebook, it's now 6,000 members. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So yeah, that's really, that makes me really happy. And it also shows how, you know, this is not the, the finish line. This is, you know, growing every week. Like, you know, the growth is also increasing, I guess, because the bigger the community, the more people talk about it, the more people start mm -hmm. joining. So yeah, this is definitely, and you, know, I love, I love talking about this also because in a way I started this from nothing. Mm -hmm. I started this from, you know, sitting in, I was in, in Warsaw with my mom. I was sitting like in my old room And I went on Facebook and I just created the group. And this is something that anyone can do. So I think I also love talking about it to show other women or other people in general that if there's something that calls, you just do it. Mm -hmm. And it can become really meaningful if, mm -hmm. if, if you want it. Yeah. Wow. And what was your journey up until you created Berlin Boss yeah. Games? Like, were you working a corporate job? Were you freelancing? Were you self-employed? Yeah. Well, what's the story? <laughs> yeah. I always like to say that I have a very nonlinear journey. And as I mentioned to you when we were preparing for recording this, I am actually a political scientist mm -hmm. by so education. Cool. So cool. So, you know, I studied political science because the 18-year-old me who graduated from high school loved social studies and cared about the world. And she bought into the belief that political science would help her do that when at the end of the day, It was a preparation for a career in academia, which was not my cup of tea at all. Mm -hmm. So I actually went through my first career change like a year after graduation. I had been working in different, you know, like these things, uh, not internship, but volontariat, like a traineeship where you mm -hmm. work with a company for, you know, six months or longer, and then they, they keep you permanently. So I was working in the political industry. I was working for a political communications agency in Berlin. And I was going through, you know, some personal struggle, like boyfriend struggle in Berlin. And I decided to spend some time in Warsaw where my mother lives. Mm -hmm. And when I relocated to Warsaw, I had to look at different career opportunities because my Polish was not fluent back then. Mm -hmm. My mom raised me, you know, I was born in Germany and she, she, she raised me in Germany and she wanted me to be very German. So we hardly spoke Polish. So when I went to Warsaw, I was like, okay, I need to be working in a job where it's okay if I don't speak Polish fluently and the political industry required me to be fluent. So I was just, you know, sending all kinds of different job applications. And I don't know if it's fate, coincidence, it doesn't matter, but I ended up working for a um, consultancy that's all about, you know, talent solutions. So, mm -hmm. you know, from talent acquisition, hiring people, retaining people. So I really entered this, you know, talent consulting world where I would acquire big corporations as clients mm -hmm. that had all kinds of different talent needs. And then I would, you know, design and deliver solutions as a consultant. And then later on, I became a people manager, had my own team of consultants. So my role was always, you know, sales, like, you know, acquiring, acquiring these clients and then doing the operations. And again, it could have been, you know, recruitment or employer branding or learning and development for, for the employees. And That was a very rewarding experience, I would say, because I think generally when you work in environments such as consulting or I think very often also an agency environment, you are being taught to be very self-sufficient and very autonomous because you're almost like a small business inside a bigger business. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think I did it for like seven years and I kind of got bored mm -hmm. and then I made a switch and I worked for a venture capital firm for a while oh, wow. okay. uh, and that introduced my transition into the tech industry and working for different startups and scale-ups in Berlin which then led me at some point to the decision okay I have now been doing the same spiel over and over again I'm really good at you know d designing talent strategies and making sure that there's strategy in place that's going to support the company from a talent and people perspective. 
yes, I can do that in-house, but I could also be, you know, advising on it or I could be like an interim manager, you know, building up a function over a few months. So then I became a freelancer in that field. And I think it was that experience of, you know, talking to individuals and understanding their pain and their struggle. And when I built client relationships, it was very often like in a holistic way. So yes, I would want to understand their business needs, but I would also understand how are you feeling today? How do you like your coffee? Like, you know, these, these things that are more about people. And I think that I had already been, you know, coaching almost from the very beginning when, you know, I had my, my first team in, in 2012, I became a people manager. So, you know, coaching had always been a part of those previous jobs. And then advising these people reminded me of how powerful coaching can be. And I think that is when, you know, the seed was planted that I would want to do I would, would want to create a business someday that was about, about coaching and not about talent acquisition or talent management, but actually about personal development and helping people grow and evolve. Yeah. <laughs> and here you are. Here I am. Yeah. It's, it's weird to talk about it. You know, sometimes when I talk about this, I'm like, is this really my life? Because uh, <laughs> it's fun to, to go on a trip down memory lane. And again, I, I hope that this shows that you don't have to have started in your domain 10 years ago to be successful in the domain that that you care about you can do complete career change mm-hmm. as long as you know you know what transferable talents you bring to the table and you focus on your talents rather than on your weaknesses i think there's a lot of different transitions and changes you can do that can bring you closer to the thing that you are actually supposed to be doing it's very amazing and very inspirational, I think. Thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I graduated university, I kind of was like, ah, crap, now I'm stuck oh. on this track. Yeah. But actually, you're really not. Yeah. You can maneuver so nicely. Yeah. I mean, you are the prime example yeah. of like using your strengths to your yeah. advantage and figuring out where you want yeah, to go. Definitely. And I feel you because it was exactly the same for me when I studied, when I when I graduated from university. I thought that I could only do a job that was somehow related to my political science degree Mm -hmm. and the relocation to Warsaw and the fact that companies were interested in meeting me and and, and were offering me a job that that actually instilled the belief in me that something else was possible. And when I left talent consulting behind, it was also partly, so there was a catalyst. It was not that I said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Now I want to go and do like, you know, work with a VC and work with startups. I was also going through some mental health struggle. Mm. So, you know, I also like to be very honest about it because it was not only, you know, unicorns and rainbows. But during that time, I was, you know, I had this massive insomnia. I had like depressive episodes. I was feeling anxious and I was actually, I went on a sick leave. Mm-hmm. And that's also when I when I started first real therapy. And I would say that that experience in my personal life helped me realize and gain confidence and strength to then also make a change in my career. So I think I'm trying to say sometimes it can be completely unrelated things who can also trigger mm-hmm. a change. It's not always that a career change is a very conscious thing that that you do. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, that's very vulnerable yeah. and open. Thank you for sharing. My pleasure. Would you maybe have three tips that you would like to share with our listeners, maybe related to setting goals, maybe just related to careers, living yeah. life? Yeah, actually, I didn't. I was already thinking about this before me before we met, but then I said to myself, "Let's see what we'll talk about, and then I'll I'll make it up." <laughs> yeah. So I think based on what we have talked about, my first advice would be to really, you know, take time with yourself regularly and really connect to your authentic desires. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of women out there. And again, you know, I'm speaking about women because that's the focus of my work in my community, of course, of course. but it's very often universal across genders to allow yourself to really reconnect to the thing that makes you excited. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's similar to what you do today, but it's bigger, mm-hmm. you know, a better job, more seniority, I don't know, leadership, prestigious company it doesn't matter what excites you or you know it could be working for a company that's all about you know environmental or social cause 
really allow yourself to to connect to that and give yourself the chance to make a goal out of it. Mm-hmm. I think I talk to a lot of women that find themselves in an environment where they almost keep telling themselves, no, I should be thankful, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm safe, why should I want more? I agree that we should be grateful for the present and not overly indulge into thoughts about the future. But I still think that if more women follow one of their many callings, and I believe we all have not only one, but, but many, and it comes in many different, you know, shapes and forms, I really think that that can make a positive difference both for the world and, you know, our gender. So, you know, allowing yourself to understand what is it that you desire and to actually turn that into a goal. I think the second advice, what we also talked about, find yourself a group of people to not only talk about this and talk about how hard it is, but help each other get there. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it could be like, you know, uh, this group chat, or it could be a Facebook group, or it could be, you know, colleagues at work that have like a similar, I don't know, like there's something that you have in common and you, you, you meet regularly and you do this together. Oh, and the last thing I actually thought about before, before coming here, because, and that actually um, touches upon what I said about, you know, that, that mental health struggle I had to go through first. Mm-hmm. I think very often we struggle with getting ahead, you know, I'm putting um, quotation, quotation marks here, <laughs> um, getting ahead in life, in our career, in our business, in, with our money situation, and we don't understand what's holding us back. Mm-hmm. For example, we don't get the job we want. We don't make the money we want. We don't create the business we want. And we think that the reason and the solution is that we should get a career coach or a business coach, or we should apply to a startup accelerator. And many times, you know, finding the solution in the same domain is right. But based on my personal experience and also based on what I see with my clients, I would always prioritize your own healing journey. Mm-hmm. Even though, you know, for some people listening, it might be but what what does healing have to do with career business and money and i believe everything (laughs) so i would also say like you know if you're currently working on one of these topics and you just find yourself in again and again the same situation you know maybe it's time i'm not saying that you know everyone should now go to therapy but i think you know if we're looking at the german market at least this is something that's quite accessible it's something that you can never go wrong with. But there are other other ways other than that. You know, there are amazing books out there where there are workbooks where you can work with yourself. You can join a support group, but really prioritize your own healing and finding peace with yourself. Because I feel like when you do that, a lot of other things are falling into place automatically. Mm. And that's also something that I have experienced personally. And in a way, you also need to really believe in yourself first and believe in your own value so that then you can go out in the world and, you know, stand up for the career you want and build the business you want and ask for the money you want. Because if you don't really believe that you deserve it and that you are equipped to do it, then, you know, I don't believe in the term fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Or I don't think it's like long-term sustainable. So yeah, that would be my my last piece. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on to thank the podcast. Thank you. Oh, that was super fun. Yeah, thank you so much for, for having me. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, Subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinform.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.